The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at www.overlandpark.cc. There's a lot to, to talk about today. It's been exciting times. I was, um, I was reminded as I was sitting here, I was thinking a lot about as we were worshiping. Um, it's really hard, you know, coming from a ministry in Oklahoma Two churches. There's two churches I've been at in my ministry, that one and this one. And so uh, coming here and really being committed to relying on the Lord and allowing the church to grow through prayer, like just really asking the Lord to move, that can be very difficult at times. There are times where, where you don't feel like things are really happening and you want to do something. You, want to, you just want to make something happen and you, you pull back and you... Uh, you discipline yourselves and continue to talk to the Lord and spend time in prayer and believing that he is going to make a way and do what he's going to do. And so that's, that's challenging to do um, in a smaller ministry. It's very difficult to do. But I'm, here's what I'm finding is the Lord has started to move um, in a special way here at OPCC in the last, in the, really the last year. There's been a special move of the Lord. Um, it's very, really cool. It seems like it's a lot easier um, to listen to and rely on the Lord when he's moving than when he's not moving. And uh, it's just like, man, just wait for him to show me what to do, and he's going to show me, and I just keep moving in that rhythm that he's opening, that door that, um, he, where he's shifting things and what it is that he's about and, and continuing to trust him. And so um, that's, that's what I've been doing uh, here recently, and it's been a very refreshing experience for me to engage in. And so last week we, we did this thing. So for those of you who maybe it's your first time here, uh, you're a guest, um, and I know I met some of you that, that are. Let me bring you up to speed. We have, uh, the Lord has sort of opened a door and made a way for us to do some things that we've been wanting to do this, to this building um, for, you know, about eight years now, he's just kind of flung a door wide open. And it happened while we were in the midst of teaching through the book of Acts. And so we, the rest of the body kind of gathered around some of these other leaders who led the way in making uh, financially it possible for us to do some major renovations to the building. So last week, what Corey was referring to in the breakfast buffet is we, we had a meal in here. And it was awesome. We had tables set up. And, and the people of the body committed um, to that. And so I know you're all like wondering, okay, well, how did we do? You know, did, did, did we raise enough to be able to move forward? And so what was committed to the project so far, and there are several people who have told me that they um, will be um, making a commitment soon, uh, is $285,000. So, yeah, thank the Lord for that. So, we'll be moving forward. That's good news. Um, and so I'm, I'm excited about that and want to continue to lay that before the Lord. And today I want to jump back into Acts. We're going to be in Acts chapter 16 today because I feel like it's been really cool as we were teaching through um, the book of Acts and, and we were talking about the kingdom, like what is the kingdom of God? Um, and how it moves. It just felt like the Lord just sort of started moving in a special way during that series. And so we took a pause there for a few weeks. We've been in um, Kingdom Come, which is sort of stepping out of Acts and looking at some of the stories that have been happening at OPCC and going through this experience of what is the Lord asking us to do. I feel like um, we should just jump back into Acts and continue on through chapter 28 and see what the Lord does all the way into um, the year 2020, because it'll take us a while to finish it up. But I've thoroughly enjoyed uh, teaching through it, and today I want to talk about what does it look like for the kingdom to come? 
Because we've been talking about the kingdom, and then we've been talking about kingdom come, kingdom come. We've been experiencing some coming of the kingdom. And so today we're going to jump in Acts chapter 16. The Lord just kept drawing me back to that place uh, over the past couple of weeks as I was trying to like, see in my mind how does this fit into uh, what we've been talking about in this, during this sort of campaign uh, period. And it's what does the kingdom uh, look like? What does it look like for it to come? So we, we look in Acts chapter 16, and what we have is that Paul and Barnabas have been ministering together in, on a missionary journey for some time. And they came to a disagreement about uh, John Mark, who has uh, deserted them uh, before, and now he's wanting to rejoin them. And Barnabas is kind of like, yeah, I think we should take him. And Paul's like, no, man, I, I, I don't think we should put... Uh, the ministry at risk, and the, the disagreement over this individual sort of caused them to part ways. One went and ministered in uh, one direction, and Paul went in another, and he picked a couple of guys. He continued to do it in a team, and he went uh, and, and continued ministry. And so we see in Acts chapter 16, uh, through the end of uh, the book of Acts, we see Paul's missionary journeys with uh, Timothy and Silas, and Luke is along for the ride as well. And so we're going to look at that and see um, some things that I think parallel for us to really be in tune with on how, what it looks like for the kingdom to come, not only at our church, but for the kingdom to come in your life. Like, what does that look like? Uh, because I think a com- culture is really confused. We sort of have a, like a mindset of religion. And so we do religious things. And one of the things that we do that's religious is go to church. Well, that you're not going to find that in the Bible. Like nowhere in the Bible are you going to find, oh man, like you should go to church on Sunday, except for you shouldn't forsake the assembling of yourselves, but there's an assembling of yourselves to something that's happening in the kingdom. And so when we say, what does it look like for the kingdom to come in your life? There is movement. There is the movement of the Lord. We sing this song that he's the way maker. And Corey did a great job setting us up about how much truth is in that song. He's a miracle worker. He, he's light in the darkness. He makes a way for us to move throughout um, our lives as we look forward to his return or our entering into fellowship with him in his, in his actual presence in the future. The kingdom is supposed to be coming in our lives. The kingdom is supposed to be rolling out of my life. The kingdom is supposed to be rolling out of your life. And so when you say, I went to church Sunday, that doesn't mean the kingdom is rolling out of your life. That means you did something religious that a lot of people do. Um, there are people right over here on 151st in Antioch, and they are uh, in their mosque, they're Muslims, and they're doing a religious experience. That is not the kingdom. But there are people in Protestant churches that are going to church, and they're doing a religious experience, and that is not the kingdom either. Like the kingdom is when Jesus is moving in the life of an individual Things are happening, and we see that life is being shaped by him, the way maker. He's called the potter in one of Paul's epistles. He fashions us. He molds us. He shapes us. So what does it look like for us to be a part of an experience where the kingdom is coming, it's being brought into our lives, or it's being brought into our church? So I'm going to break this down in about five sections because there's a lot of scripture here, okay? And uh, I'm going to do my best to get you out of here soon. (laughs) And here's where we start with, verse 1. Talking about Paul and Silas. They came to Derbe and then to Lystra, 
where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was a Jewess and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. And the brothers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. And Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. And as they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey, so the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. And so what Luke is telling us is, man, the church was growing. But this is pretty fascinating, what he's talking about here, about what happens with Timothy. Because what it says that they are doing is they're delivering the decision that was made by the Jerusalem council, the first church council that ever happened. We learned about that in Acts chapter 15. What was the decision? Well, there were some people who crept in and started to tell all the Gentile people who were becoming believers in Christ, and they hadn't been circumcised. Then the Jewish believers over here, there was a sect of them that said they needed to be circumcised, and they were burdening them with a yoke that the Lord hadn't burdened them with. And so the Jewish uh, council met together, and the apostles and, and leaders of the church they made a decision, man, the Lord is clearly moving among the Gentiles and he's doing it apart from circumcision and we can't put the law on these people because we can't even keep the law. And so they send them a letter and they circulate the letter and say, man, you need to stay away from food that's sacrificed to idols. You need to keep yourself sexually pure and um, you need to love the Lord is basically what they said to them. Like you need to follow him and allow him to continue to transform you. And so in this experience where Paul's going on this journey, they're taking that letter. That's clearly what it says to us. They delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So they're taking that message that you don't have to be circumcised among all of these people. But they're going into a region where there are a lot of Jewish people. Timothy's father was not a believer. It says specifically that he was a Greek. His mother um, was Jewish. And so he was known um, very prejudiced time. He was known as what would have been a half-breed Jew, and there was disdain upon them. And so Paul is taking this brother that he sees is a second-generation believer, and he sees a lot of the Lord's movement in his life. He wants to take him, but he foresees an obstacle in the way that's going to keep them from being able to minister to these people that they're going to minister to. And so what, do we, what is the takeaway here? The Lord uses our physical sacrifice to bring his spiritual kingdom. Now, how, why am I saying that? It's because Timothy, right, Timothy willingly, even though it is not required, goes through the process of circumcision as an adult. Why? Reach people. So the next time the Lord asks you to, to lay something aside that may be a stumbling block for other people, and it's really not a stumbling block for you, and the Lord asks you to lay it aside, be reminded of what Timothy gave up and be thankful that he doesn't ask you to do something like that. Amen? Amen. It's a very difficult thing that Timothy did, but he was willing to do it in order for the gospel to continue to move. And what's exciting about that for me is, is that's exactly what we just did as, as a body of believers. What, what, did we, what did I ask you to do? I said, man, the Lord is clearly moving. There is no obligation whatsoever from the, the, the word that you give more than what the Lord expects you to give. Like you already give of the tithe and that's just what the Lord expects. But this is an ask that goes beyond that. 
And so it's not a requirement. And what did the people do? They willingly committed. You guys willingly committed to um, the next couple of years to giving more than you regularly give. You've, you're going beyond what is required of the Lord. And I'm, I'm excited about that, even as I make that commitment with you, going beyond what is required of the Lord, because I see that each time we make a physical sacrifice, the spiritual kingdom moves. And so we have an expectation as we sing about the waymaker that he's going to make a way because we are engaging in the same type of obedience that we see Paul and Timothy engaging in here in this particular um, beginning of chapter 16. But it, it gets even more interesting because I think that as we make these decisions, how do we go about making those decisions? How do, how do you go about knowing what the Lord is asking you to do that may be beyond what is actually required? Well, we see here in verse 6 through 10, look at this. Paul and his companions, so after they take care of that, so they can go in and minister to these people who may be offended and, and, and make some accusations about Timothy, they take care of things and they go and they start ministering. And it says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia. Watch this. If you're taking notes, you might write this, underline this in, Bible, in your Bible. They're traveling throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. What does that mean? The Lord said, no, you can't go there. They wanted to go into this region. Why did they want to go? To preach the gospel? What did the Lord say? No. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus, in other words, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Again, no. Something they wanted to do but we're not allowed to do because the Spirit would not allow them to do it. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. And during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Here's the second takeaway. The Lord uses spirit-filled people to bring his kingdom. How does the kingdom come? Through spirit-filled people. Because if, if Paul had not been filled with the spirit, and these guys had not been walking with the Lord and filled with the spirit, there's no way that they would have been able to recognize that the Lord was saying to them, no, don't go preach in that community. No, don't go preach in that, that region there. And then they have this vision, and they clearly can discern that it is from the Lord. Now, I talked about my coming and my arrival to Overland Park. Where did that originate with? Did that originate from a phone call and a group of men and women who said, man, we want to find somebody that will come and help us? No, it did not originate there. It happened long before I knew anyone from Overland Park. The Lord was already stirring in my heart about being in an area that was, had a population. It was saturated with people. I knew the Lord was calling me to that. I didn't know where it would be. Um, there were many times I thought that it would be in this one particular area outside of Oklahoma, like the uh, God-ordained uh, city of Norman, Oklahoma, where the Sooners are, right? There were a couple of times I thought it might be there. I mean, I had had discussions about it, but the Lord clearly said no. It is not there. And so there was a vision happening inside of me before I even knew what the vision would be. And then someone initiated a contact, called me, and I found myself moving my entire family uh, to, to Overland Park, which has been an incredible blessing. We've loved living here. And we've seen the Lord move. But what I want you to see is that I, I needed to be walking in the Spirit to see those things. I need to be walking in the Spirit when the Lord is telling me no. Like, there have been several times that I thought we would be able to address this issue with the building. 
And the Lord, through the Spirit, has said no. And I've had to handle that. I've had to look at that and hear the Lord say, no, the time is not now. The time is not now. And then all of a sudden, he opens a door, and you can clearly see the timing arrives, and you trust him in that. And so it is encouraging to me that we have people who are walking in the Spirit um, all around us. And so when, whenever we're trying to see how does the kingdom, how does it, what does it look like for it to move, it is essential that people be walking in the Spirit, and in the fullness of the, the Spirit. So we have to help people walk this out. Now, here's the deal. There's a good chance if you don't know what I mean by that. As a matter of fact, I say walking in the fullness of the Spirit, and you might think that I mean you do something weird like speak in tongues. Okay? You, you may think that I mean you do something weird like you become a prophet. I don't mean any of that. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches to be filled with the Spirit is that when you're walking in such intimacy with the Lord, you know when he's asking you to obey something. You can clearly hear his voice. As John 10, chapter 10, uh, verse 10, or chapter 10, Jesus teaches us that my sheep hear my voice. They listen and they follow. So to walk in the fullness of the Spirit is to be able to recognize the voice of the Lord. What does the voice of the Lord sound like? It doesn't have an audible tone. I've never heard it. But it is an impression of the Spirit that is leaning into me that I clearly can discern that this is something that the Lord is asking me to do. And it requires us to be Spirit-filled in order to be able to understand what the Lord is doing. How do we get Spirit-filled? We have to learn how to surrender more and more of our lives to the Lord. We learn to lay down our lives on the altar and the, that Jesus is no longer just Savior of our lives. Thank the Lord that he is Savior but he's Lord and Savior. And so he becomes Lord of my life, and I begin to yield to him. That's why we're so committed to discipleship. Why are we committed to discipleship and taking a year-long process or more and walking with a brother or sister and being able to recognize, is this person learning how to walk in the fullness of the Spirit? Like, can we clearly see that? Are they able to go and teach somebody else that? Why are we, why are we so invested in that? Because that's how the kingdom moves. It moves through spirit-filled believers. And so as we raise up people who are invested in that and we see that they are men who are filled with the spirit, then guess what the church ends up with? It ends up with more than just a pastor and an associate pastor and children's workers. It ends up with men and women who are filled with the spirit and they all can be used in leadership to advance the kingdom and there is a plurality of leadership that exists within the body. One of the things that I pray for constantly is that we would be able to have elders at our church. Did you know we don't, like I'm the only elder. Now we have elders outside of the church and the fact that, that I have an accountability team and I have people that are, are, are invested in me and walking with me that I bounce things off of. We have an advisory board that I bounce things off of. So the question might be asked, why don't we have any elders? We will have elders from the body as soon as I see a disciple that can make a disciple that can make a disciple. That will be the test of eldership. Why? Because that's the test of eldership in the New Testament. People who love the Lord can walk with the Lord and can teach other men and women how to follow the Lord. That's what it means to be one who we can raise this person up and say, that's what it looks like to follow Jesus. And so I pray about that all the time, believing that the Lord is raising up men that we could appoint to these positions to see that they are moving forward in the kingdom and other men um, can be led by them. And so it's exciting to think that what, are the, what is a requirement of the kingdom to, to, to come? Spirit-filled people. 
So, like, I want to encourage you to talk to the Lord. Am I filled with the Holy Spirit? Not am I indwelt. Like, when you become a Christian and you're saved, you're indwelt with the Spirit. There is a filling of the Spirit. Paul says, be ye filled with the Spirit. And it is out of the overflow of the Spirit that we're able to live lives of victory on this side of eternity. We're walking with Him. We're yielding to Him. His Word is having its way in us. We're reading the Word. The Word is transforming us. We are no longer being led and transformed by culture around us and people around us. We're being transformed by the Lord and His Word within us. Okay? That's the way the kingdom works. And as we do that and we yield to the Lord, then the kingdom comes in our life. Now, look at verses 11 through 15, because we have about 40 verses to cover and we need to move on. Amen? It says, from Troas, we put out to sea and sailed. This was after the vision. They're like, man, the Lord is leading us here. Let's go there. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight to Samothrace, and the next day on to Neapolis. And from there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony, and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. And on the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. Now, they did this because there was no synagogue there, and there was uh, rules against worshiping things that were not approved uh, by this region. So they went outside the city. They're just looking for a place where they can pray. Then we sat down, and we began to speak to the women who had gathered there. And one of those listening was a, a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who was a worshiper of God. And what do we know about that description of, of Lydia? One, she was a wealthy person because purple cloth was wealthy or expensive, and she was a dealer in it. And so this, this lady had money, and that's where the Lord kind of led them. They come upon this lady, and she's a worshiper of God. Now, I want you to watch this, worshipers of God. Just because you're a worshiper of God does not mean you know Jesus. This lady does not know Jesus. She is a worshiper of God who is not in intimate relationship with the creator of the universe, Jesus himself. She worships God, she believes in God, but she does not know Jesus. Jesus used the word all the time to talk about, or John used it to talk about a relationship with Jesus. It's the Greek word gnosko. It means experiential knowledge. So she does, you don't longer know just about Jesus, but you know him intimately. There's something transformed in your life. This is what Jesus meant when he said in John chapter three, if you want to see the kingdom of God, you must be born again. And so he's talking about the idea of gnoscoing him, like knowing he's talking another to, uh, in that case to another worshiper of God, somebody who clearly believed in God but had not been transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so when we look at this, what do we see happens to her? It says that she was a worshiper of God, and the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. And so the worshiper of God had her heart peeled and broken open by God himself. So the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. What was Paul's message? It was the gospel, that Jesus has come to seek and to save that which is lost. He came to um, heal the sinner and forgive them of their sin. And so when she and the members of her household, after this conversion took place, when she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house, and she persuaded us. 
It's a pretty cool thing what happens to Lydia because she probably resourced the ministry as well and she opened her home in hospitality to them, teaching the church how a believer should act when they've been transformed by the power of the Lord. We become hospitable people. We serve in the kingdom. We use the resources available to us to minister to the people around us. And so what is the takeaway here? The kingdom comes when the Lord opens hearts. The kingdom does not come when people claim to be worshipers of God. The kingdom comes when the Lord opens a heart and that heart responds and acknowledges that Jesus is Lord. That's when the kingdom comes. Jesus said this, nobody can come to the Father unless what? The Father draws him unto themselves. Well, y'all don't like my message? Oh, okay, okay. No. Uh, and so the kingdom comes whenever the, the Lord begins to break out in a person. He opens their heart and their, their mood. Th- those guys are getting ready for something that's about to happen in service, okay? So, uh, uh, so some of you are going, man, that guy's bold. I, I was just bad. <laughs> and so, so w- w- what do we learn from that? Man, what I see here is that we need to be asking and looking for people's hearts to be open to the Lord. So maybe you're here, and I talk about this worshiper of God stuff, and you're asking yourself, well, man, am I a worshiper of God, or am I an actual citizen of the kingdom? Has my life been transformed by the, the blood of Christ, and am I filled with the Spirit? Okay? Like, if, if, if you're asking that question, there's probably a pretty good chance that the answer is, no, you have not been filled with the Spirit. And you say, how can you say that? Because if you'd been filled with the Spirit, you wouldn't be asking that question. You'd clearly know what I was talking about. How would you know? Because part of the role of the Spirit is to teach us everything that the Word has taught us, okay? So we would know from our experience of walking with the Lord that that is not the case. So so what do we do? Like, what do you do? Am I, like, trying to corner you and pigeonhole you? No. I'm doing the same thing Paul would do. I'm just proclaiming the message of the Lord. What you should do is, if you're in that case of a little bit of uncertainty is pray that the Lord would open your heart so that you could respond to his truth. What should we do is we're trying to meet the obligations of the kingdom as we've received this ministry that has been given to us to go and share the good news. What should we be doing? Should we be just going and just sharing the good news with every single person we come in contact with? Yeah, you could do that if you don't want to have any friends. Some people don't want to hear it. And you shouldn't be trying to tell it to people who don't want to hear it unless the Holy Spirit has clearly shown you that you should. So what, we, what should we be doing? Looking for people whose hearts have been opened to the Lord. We're proclaiming the good news, and we're hoping that it falls on a, the ears of a person's heart that is open. And sometimes, and I, I should say this, <laughs> heading into Thanksgiving, don't go try to save your entire family this week. Okay? All you're going to do is get mad at everybody. And everybody's going to get mad at you. Now, if the Lord opens a door and you have an opportunity to share with them what the Lord has been doing in your life, then clearly take advantage of that. But don't become the evangelist around the Thanksgiving table or you will ruin the meal. <laughs> Amen. Uh, now, so, so we, have to be, we have to be careful with that. We're looking for people's hearts who've been open to respond to the Lord. And then when, when that heart is open, then we see the kingdom move. So if you're here and you're like, man, like, this stuff that Jimmy's talking about, I never have, like, never have thought about it this way, and the Lord's sort of speaking to you, then clearly just be talking to the Lord about your heart becoming open to him, and ask him to open your heart. Because remember what Jesus said, nobody can come 
to the Father unless the Father himself draws them uh, to himself. And so the kingdom comes when the Lord opens hearts. Now let's get into verses 16 through 28, which is a long part of our text here. Kind of gets interesting here. And I'm wanting us to see as they made these decisions, the kingdom just kept rolling out. People are, the, the kingdom's moving. People are getting saved. Like the Lord is coming. They're being filled with the Spirit. Stuff's happening. It says, so once we were going to the place of prayer, because that was a good thing. They had some movement there, so why not go back next week? And we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. Whoa, this chick could tell the future. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She's shouting a truth. She's filled with an evil spirit. It says, she kept this up for many days, and finally Paul became so troubled that he turned around and he said to the Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, boom, the Spirit left her. She returned to a sane mind because the Lord led Paul to say this over her. Well, what happened? Man, everybody should be saying, sweet, this chick was just delivered from a demon possession. But that's not what happened. When the owners of the slave girl realized their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews. They are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlaw for us Romans to accept or practice. It says the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to what? Be stripped and beaten. And after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. And upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. So anybody who teaches you the prosperity gospel and says, when you have faith, everything is going to be awesome in your life, clearly is ignoring um, Acts chapter 16 that shows that these two uh, lovers of God, the apostle Paul and Silas, had their clothes stripped off them, and they were beaten by rods because of their faithfulness to the Lord. It says, about midnight, how did they respond? <laughs> this is awesome. They're locked up in stocks. They're in prison. They've been beaten severely with rods, mind you, meaning that this was no small beating. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken and once all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. And the jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he threw his sword, he drew his sword and he was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we are all here. Now why was he going to kill himself? Because if you didn't, um, like if you didn't take care of the prisoners and something happened and they, they got released on your charge, then they would execute you. That's what We saw that happen when um, Peter was released from prison miraculously back in, I don't remember what chapter it was, but he was released and what did Herod do? He had the prison guards executed. Okay? And so that's what happened to you. So this guy was about to execute himself. So Paul and Silas, man, they've been beaten for sharing the gospel and doing what they felt the Lord was calling them to do. And they've been beaten severely in public. Now they're locked up in stocks. They find themselves in the middle of the night not being able to sleep. And so what do they do? They sing praises to the Lord. So if you find yourself unable to sleep this week, what should you do? Find yourself away from your spouse. Abby, if you find yourself in a sleepless night, do not get up and start singing in the bedroom. Go to the other room. Okay? 
If I'm sleeping, I want to keep sleeping, right? And so like, that, but, but this is what sometimes I will do. I will get up and find me a place of prayer so that the Lord can calm me down and help me to go back to sleep. And so what, are, what is the takeaway from here? The kingdom comes when we learn how to sing during suffering. Like we all suffer. I've had moments of suffering in my life. You've had moments of suffering in your life. You don't know if you might find out about some suffering that you're going to experience this week. So we all suffer, so, but it's not all of us who know how to sing in the midst of it. And when we are walking in the Spirit and filled with the Spirit and we're going through this suffering and we learn how to sing in the midst of it, the Lord will lift us beyond it and we know that he is in the pain with us. As a matter of fact, uh, some of the most dreaded times in my life have been when I've suffered, but the most glorious times in my life have been when I've suffered because I've drawn the closest to the Lord in those moments and learned the most about him and about myself in those times of suffering. And he's taught me how to sing in the midst of the suffering and he's brought me through that suffering and so when I enter into a phase of suffering again, I already know the Lord is going to bring me through this because he's brought me through it so many times before. And so it teaches me a rhythm about my life. And when I start living that way, the kingdom starts coming. Like the Lord can trust me with anything. I can be, I will be obedient to follow the Lord in my ups and I will be obedient to follow the Lord in my downs. And then when I get into that place, I can expect the kingdom to come in my life. And so my question for you this morning would be, do you know how to sing in the midst of suffering? If you don't, the Lord can teach you, and you might be in a place of suffering right now. And maybe the Lord is trying to teach you how to sing in the midst of your suffering. And then the final thing that I want to share with you is in verses 29 through 40. So the jailer, when they said, don't harm yourself, and he didn't kill himself, the jailer called for lights. He rushed in, and he fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? In other words, he clearly sees there's something different about these guys than any other prisoner he's ever had under his care. And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately, he and all his family were what? They were baptized. And the jailer brought them into his house and to set a meal before them. He was what? Filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. In other words, the kingdom came in their lives. Because we see that these guys were walking in sacrifice. They were spirit-filled. They, um, uh, they knew how to look where open hearts were. They were faithful to endure the suffering and sing in the midst of it. And so now we see the kingdom coming to another individual. And he and his whole household were filled with joy because the kingdom came in their lives. And it says, when it was daylight, the, magistra the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, release those men. And the jailer told Paul, the magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave. Go in peace. But Paul said to the officers, they beat us publicly without a trial, even though we are Roman citizens. And they threw us into prison. And now do they want to get rid of us quietly? No. Let them come themselves and escort us out. So Paul exercises his legal right. The officers reported this to the magistrates. And when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. And they came to appease them and escorted them from the prison, requesting them to leave the city. And after Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house where they met with the brothers and encouraged them. Then they left. Okay, so here's the deal. The last thing. The kingdom comes when we share the good news without hesitation. Okay? We see that... Um, 
he, these guys were aggressive when they saw this guy ask them clearly, what, ha- like, what do I need to do to have what you have? What, what must I do to be saved? And they share the good news. It says they taught them everything the Lord had shared with them. And so the jailer's life was transformed. Why? I want you to see this. Don't miss this. The jailer's life, obviously because of the power of the Lord, but the jailer's life was transformed because they focused on his salvation instead of their suffering. Nine times out of ten, believers will focus on their suffering instead of someone else's salvation. And we shouldn't be doing that. Does that mean that it's not hard to walk through suffering? No, it is hard. It's very difficult. But we have to focus on the kingdom, and the kingdom will come in and around and through us, and joy will break out in the midst of us and those around us. And so the question I, I end with before I get us to the big ideas, um, or I, not a question, I would make this statement, and I'm encouraged today. We are on track as a ministry for the kingdom to come. Like, we are on track for that. I look and I see what is happening, and I say, man, we're not just trying to grow a big church. We're not just trying to raise money and do things. Like, we are literally trying to walk in the power and demonstration of the Spirit, see, see the kingdom come in people's lives, their lives transformed by the power of the gospel, and walk in obedience to that. And as that plays out, we see the, the Lord is leading us. He's leading us as a body of believers. So there's no mastermind, a human mastermind behind this ministry. I'm not sitting up strategically in my office trying to think about how can I make this church grow? I'm not doing that at all. I'm sitting up in my office and I'm talking to the Lord and I'm saying, Lord, how are you going to make this church grow? I'm here. I've been faithful. I'm doing what you've asked me to do. And people need to have open hearts to the gospel. And so the Lord has been opening hearts and the kingdom has started to move. And so I want to share another story with you this morning. Well, I'm Jeffrey. I'm Rachel. And uh, we're getting married in January. In England. So, um, OPCC um, has been a great experience for the both of us, and, and for me especially. Um, my brother started going here first, and uh, he just kind of invited us to come here, and uh, it was a, it was a a great experience to, to be able to come and and experience the fellowship and the community that OPC has brought, and I felt the kingdom moving in my life as soon as I stepped in the door. Um, um, truth hit me in the face, and it's just been great to be able to, to accept the truth and, and to be able to, to walk daily with, with believers and, and in the fellowship of the men and, and the women that are um, following Jesus in this, in this church. Um, Jeffrey brought me to OPCC around this time last year, Thanksgiving last year. Um, and it's the, since the first time I stepped foot in the building, it felt like a family to me. Um, Jimmy and Shay welcomed me like I'd been here for years and as part of the family of OPCC. So um, from the day I came, the kingdom has been moving in my life and I just got the truth out of it and been more um, wanting to sit with more with the Lord and spend more time in obedience with Him. So today we want to get baptized. Mm-hmm. Um, and we want to um, share with the, the church um, our commitment to the Lord and um, as our Lord and Savior. Um, for me, uh, baptism is a, is a symbol um, of just being obedient to God. And, and I feel like the Lord has been proud of my heart to, to give my life um, in a way that symbols uh, that I love Him and, and that He is 
um, loved me um, through my entire uh, existence, and I'm so thankful and um, blessed to be at LBCC to be able to do so. My testimony is um, how the Lord started um, really working in my life. Um, so I had the opportunity in February to go and play professional soccer. But I was student teaching at the time, so I wasn't really for sure whether to go play because it's like a one-shot opportunity. You never know if you'll get another shot to play professional. But I was student teaching, so I wanted to graduate. I needed to graduate in May, so I sat with the Lord for a long time and um, He really kept me patient and helped me decide what I needed to do. And the best option in the end was to stay and graduate um, and hopefully another opportunity would come up to play professional soccer so during the summer I went for a lot of teaching interviews because I still didn't know what I was going to do and I had to wait for my work authorization to come through and that was so stressful. I had no idea what I was going to do and I had to spend more time in the Lord just asking him to keep me patient and just guide me and in his will just waiting for what he's, he wants me to do so I was very patient and Thank you, Jesus. Um, and then um, in June, I actually got another opportunity to go and play professional soccer again. So it was perfect timing, really, because I didn't know whether I could stay in America or I had to go back to England. So I took the opportunity with both hands. And um, so the deal was set, and I was going to Finland in July. So, and then me and um, Jeffrey actually came to OPCC in late June, late June, and I heard the song um, "Heart of Worship" played by Corey and, and the guys singing. So, and that song, I just felt the kingdom move so much through me through that song, and I knew from that point I definitely wanted to get saved. Um, and then the Friday after, Jeffrey and I actually went to um, Shay's house and I gave my life to the Lord right then and there, so it was great. And now before we leave to get married, I definitely wanna honor the Lord and honor him with obedience and get baptized so we can start fresh and, and get ready for married life. <laughs> yeah, it feels nice in here. Um, I just was filled with such joy uh, listening to their story. And of course, I've gotten to know these two, um, Rachel, recently in this past year, and Jeffrey the last few years. Um, and man, it is just my joy, truly, and my privilege to be able to baptize uh, these two today. So, Jeffrey, you're up, brother. You ready? And I want to say this to you, man.
So the big idea today is the kingdom is coming at OPCC. Like it's coming in a fresh way and I'm excited about it because I've been a part of a movement like this before. I've been a part of a move the Lord and it's, it's breathtaking. Like you just sit back and go, man, that is the Lord. Like there's no human that could do what is happening in and around and through us. And so I'm excited about Um, all our days ahead. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.